Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of AMRAs and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Talkbuster podcast, one of the many, many, many podcasts on the internet where I talk to people, except this one is based on the before time, the long, long ago, the time of Blockbuster Video and big corporate or little mom and pop video stores. And I have a very, very special guest today. Um, just like the folks over at the last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, I have somebody that you know is just as obsessed um, with Blockbuster Video as me and them, um, and he's actually making a movie about it. So everybody, this is Taylor Morden. Introduce yourself, good sir. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Taylor Morden, and I'm the director of a little independent documentary called The Last Blockbuster. It's awesome. Um, so, you know, before we get into, you know, in-depth about um, how that came to be, you know, where are you from, Taylor? Uh, I'm from San Francisco originally. Um, but I've lived most of my life up in Oregon, spent a little bit of time in Washington, D.C., but mostly Eugene, Portland, and now Bend, Oregon. Nice. Bend, Oregon, home of the last blockbuster in the world, as it were. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, how'd you, how'd you get into filmmaking? Uh, I was a musician uh, for years and years in the 90s. I was a, a trumpet player in a ska band, and... Uh, I've kind of been in and out of touring bands for 20-something years. And uh, around 2010, it just started to be... I was always like a graphic designer, and I did flash animation for my day job. And it just started to be easier, or at least cheaper, to make our own music videos instead of paying people to make them. So I started doing that, and then did some for other bands and then turned that into commercials and and some long form stuff did some short films and then uh moved out to bend oregon and found myself with a little bit more free time and started doing feature length documentaries that's awesome and you who's the i've i've talked to um your your partner on the last blockbuster movie too what's his name i forget Zeke. zeke yeah he's awesome as well yeah yeah he's a great guy and he uh I actually met him here in Bend, but he's, you know, got 20-something years working in Hollywood. He was a writer on a bunch of TV shows and and just a real funny guy who has the same passion for blockbuster video I do. So it made sense. And I was working on another feature at the time, so I really needed a partner on the blockbuster doc. And he stepped up. So that's been great. That's awesome. You, you To double back for a sec, because this is something I didn't know. I saw, I saw you play trumpet with real big fish recently which was awesome um, <laughs> did, yeah. but that's so cool but um so what bands were you in you said you were in a bunch of touring bands over the years uh, yeah yeah i was in uh, a ska band in eugene oregon called 007 back Know in them the- uh and then that kind of turned into another band in the early 2000s called pocket face and we were yep. we were signed in japan and we we toured japan quite a bit uh, then Scott kind of died down. I played in a, 
pop punk band, a couple of indie rock bands, and in and out of ska bands on the East Coast as well. So just um, I'm one of those guys who always wants to be playing music as much as I can if there's time allotted in my life. So even now I'm playing part-time in a Weezer tribute band here in Bend. Oh, that would be awesome. It's, oh, that's uh, so cool. It's a lot of fun, yeah. You're, you're, you're living the dream, man, it sounds like to me. I, uh, I always fashioned myself that I'd be in a, in a ska band or a band like that at some point in my life, and I'm still working on it. I, I just sing. I don't, I don't play anything. But Hey, that's, that's playing something. It is true. But yes, spoiler alert, I'll have Taylor back on um, one of my other shows soon to talk about his other movie, Pick It Up, Sky in the 90s, which is still touring the country right now, or is that um, just getting ready yeah, to come yeah. off for sale? Uh, I don't know when this is going to come out, but we're in St. Louis, uh, I think, this weekend. And then there's a couple more screenings. I think we have them through January, but it's, it's going to be out on DVD and Blu-ray uh, the end of this month. And it's available for pre-order on skymovie.com. It'll be up on Amazon and Vimeo and stuff later this year. You guys should absolutely buy it. My copy is coming during that, in that first group of pre-orders. I can't awesome. wait. Well, but yeah, so, for- oh no, dude, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't believe I missed it. I was doing my live Talkbuster recording um, when you were in, I, don't, I think, did you come out to the Boston Somerville show? I wasn't able to make it to that one, but we had one of the stars, uh, Dave McWayne from Big D and the Kids Table. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Big D so much. Anyway, um, no, I saw I was I was doing my live show or else I would have been there for that that, because I am so pumped to see this movie. But but this is a show about Blockbuster. I just uh, I had to. (laughs) I had to fanboy about um about that for a minute because it's another one of my passions. But uh, so so you were making films. You got yourself to Bend, Oregon. What were some of the uh, the, the films that you did leading up to the last blockbuster besides um the Sky One there? So the Sky One was just my second feature, and I, I did one before that in 2016. That was a doc about another uh, '90s nostalgia thing. It was a one-hit wonder band called The Refreshments. Yes. Oh, that was you. Yeah. And uh, they did the theme song from King of the Hill. Yes, they did. uh, They've kind of turned into another indie band called Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And they've had this really interesting career and this cult following. And I started out just doing a short, you know, just interview the singer and see what their story was. And it turned into a feature film. And that's been out for a while. That's on Amazon Prime, too. If anybody wants to check it out, it's called Here's to Life. So good. I've, I've seen it. It was fantastic. I, di- I didn't oh. realize that was you. I saw yeah. that um, I saw that when, when it first popped up on Amazon. Hmm. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Oh, dude, that's awesome. So, yeah, uh, th- this is great. Um, so, so then, so f- from what I recall, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I unfortunately, even though being this big blockbuster guy, I started this podcast a little over um, a year ago now, the blockbuster mm-hmm. one. And at the time, you know, there were still a few blockbusters left. Um, yeah. There was, you know, the couple in Alaska, the couple in Bend or the Bend area, and then the one in Australia. And I think maybe Japan, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, all of a sudden I started this thing thinking, oh, this will be a fun, nostalgic thing to do with my friends. And then it started showing up in the news. And yeah. that's when I, that's, when i first heard about yours your movie but um were you making it kind of you when you set out to make it originally there was still plenty left right or at least a few of them left is that correct yeah Yeah, no we started shooting this in early 2017 so uh coming up on three years uh by the time the movie comes out and when we started there were at least 12 left in the United States. And we didn't even know about the Australia stores at that time. Um, but there were, there were 12 left. And my plan was to talk to all of them and do, you know, this, this film about all these different stores, the Alaska stores, the Texas stores that were still left at the time. And there were several in Oregon. So I thought, great, it'll be easy. We'll start here and we'll spread out. And as we were starting to make the film and reach out to all these people 
they started dropping like flies. <laughs> you know. Yeah. By the time by the time we got everything together to get up to Alaska, those stores had closed. And it just kept happening. And and I we couldn't have planned it better that the store that's literally a mile from my house here ended up being the last one in the world. You know, there's that's just just luck that that pure happened. coincidence pure coincidence i was going to make the movie either way um it certainly wasn't going to be called the last blockbuster but here we are now did, did you I, have a rel- go ahead sorry yeah that happens with documentaries you start out to tell one story and real life happens and you end up telling the story the way it happens so I, I feel really lucky that we got to know the people at the store and build that relationship before all the hype happened, before they were all over the news and you know the John Oliver show and all that. Because after that, if anybody asked them if they could do a documentary, they probably would have said no. Well, right. That's why when, when Sandy you know reached out to me, and I don't know if it was through shares or likes on Twitter mm-hmm. or whatever of people sharing my sh- sharing my sh- show around, but I said oh, so, you know, maybe I can get you on the phone for 15 minutes sometime for my show. And she goes, no, she goes, if you want to do a whole episode, that's fine. And I go, but you're like, you know, you're all, you're a busy person. Like my little, you know, not, not that I want to discredit my show. People like my show. I mean, it's listened to all over the world, but you know, um, to me, you know, I'm not like 60 minutes, you know, or Fox news or the John Oliver show or something like that. But she said, she said, you know, those, those are fun for me. She said, for me, that's fun just to say that I was there. She said, but I'd rather sit down and, you know, talk around with someone who's an actual fan, with someone who actually lived it and worked there for an hour. She goes, that's better. That That's a better interview for me, other than the experience of, you know, meeting John Oliver and, you know, Ryan getting to go over to England and be on that morning show, you know, and all that. But um, it's funny that you mentioned life happening because like you said, that happens in documentaries a lot. I, I love when you watch a documentary and you go, and our narrative we were trying to tell was this, and unfortunately this happened, so now right. here's here's the movie you get. But it was interesting living around here. Um, do you ever, do you remember the movie Fever Pitch? Yeah. Oh, so, I don't know if you know the full story about what went down, but when they were filming that movie, they decided to film it over the course of an actual season of the Boston Red Sox. And it just happened to be the season that they won the World Series. They couldn't have predicted that making the movie. So the movie was originally going to be about a guy who realized that, you know, this thing that you chase, this like childhood nostalgic dream that has a place in your life. But you kind of have to grow up, you know, and get over that at some point to have a family and everything else. And so they're going to the games and filming characters at the games. And when you're watching it local, hey, look, you know, there's Drew Barrymore, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then they end up winning or they end up going to the playoffs. So they had to work that in and then they win and they had to change the whole narrative of the movie. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and, you know, that doesn't happen with feature film like ever, you know, (laughs) which is is kind of fascinating. (laughs) Takes the world series to affect a narrative feature film. It's wild. So, Oh, so that's awesome. So, um, Tell, tell me more um, about the movie, about the production, like in, in the shift and everything and how, um, how it's grown. Uh, yeah. So we, like I said, we started real small and this was uh, before even Zeke was on board. It was just me with this idea. I drove by the store, saw the sign and couldn't believe it. You know, this was, even in 2017, I hadn't seen a blockbuster in probably three, four years and I hadn't been in one for seven or eight years um so i went in and it blew my mind how nothing had changed how it was this amazing like stepping through a time warp into you know 2004 or even back into the 90s the only difference being they have a few blu-rays but still just a few yeah it's like 95 percent dvd in there uh still today in uh I, I put my first movie on the shelf in there and i offered sandy blu-rays and she's like no no just dvds just give us a couple of dvd copies that's what people rent i was like all right i think i think it's awesome that you have a movie for rent in a blockbuster that's that's yeah. so ironic soon to be too yeah and hopefully oh, awesome. if everything works out we'll have this movie on the shelf at blockbuster while they're still open that's our 
that was my goal from the beginning was to finish this movie and get it for rent so people who come in can you know rent the story of the store from the store it's it's so cool yeah i, I plan on i plan on making a pilgrimage out there very soon fantastic yeah one one because they want they want me to record an episode of this there and two because i just need to meet them i i've talked to them enough on the phone where yeah. it's like you know it's funny funny story <laughs> i don't even think i've told this to them i bought a bunch of stuff from them so i mm -hmm. bought like shirts to give out and shirts for my the folks that i did the live show with to wear and i bought giveaways and you know i bought the board game that hot potato games or big potato games or whatever made the blockbuster game which is awesome i ordered it from them and every time my credit card gets charged with blockbuster bank of america flags it sure it's because hysterical and i call them and i said yeah. why and they go because there isn't a blockbuster anymore is literally what they said and i'm like no there is <laughs> oh we I thought your card got hacked I bet that happens to a lot of people. Oh, I thought it was so I funny. I know they're selling a lot of t-shirts and things on their website, but I bet anybody anybody with a vigilant bank is getting flagged. It's like getting a charge from, you know, Radio Shack or not even Radio Shack, Circuit City. Yeah. Circuit City, there you go. Yeah. Or like the Wiz. Yeah. yeah. Electronics Boutique. Oh, geez, man. Wow. Suncoast. There is apparently yeah, yeah. Suncoast video. Oh, really? In Philadelphia. I think it's at the King of Prussia Mall. Huh. I wonder if they have the same kind of franchise system. Like what happened here where the corporate went away, but the franchise lives on, you know? That'd be awesome. They're probably like owned by Newbury Comics or somebody. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So anyway, back to the the movie story we yes i apologize I, I go on tangents sometimes no problem <laughs> we set out to make you know i just wanted to know the story for myself why why is the store still open how is it still open and who is still renting movies there those were my big questions and as we started digging it seemed like okay there's a dozen or so of these stores still open and i i started planning and i wanted to reach out to some of these stores. And like I said, they started closing left and right. And I said, okay, well, maybe we'll just focus on this one store in Bend because it's local and the people there are so great and so interesting. They're these great characters and it's a family business. You know, Sandy, her kids work there. Her, you know, her in-laws have worked there and she's been there for 15 years. So it seemed like, well, I'll just tell her story and we'll talk about this one small town store that seems to have outlived most of them. And as we're doing that, you know, we got the news that they were going to be the last store in America. And that was in early 2018. So right. a year and a half ago. They, you know, the Alaska stores were closing and they were going to be the last one. And so that's when we really picked up steam and we said, Hey, this is going to be a really cool story. You know, we've been filming for over a year and all of a sudden this little store that we've been hanging out at is the last one in America and it's all over the news and it's a big deal. And I didn't realize how many other people were going to care, you know, we're going to be sucked into this story. But as soon as it was on CNN, Fox news, you know, all these places, people really took an interest. It became this, this thing. And everybody had the same questions I did. How is it still open? Who's still shopping there? What is this town of Bend, Oregon like? Is it in the middle of nowhere? Do they not have the internet? What's going on? Do they not have the internet? Are they an island without bridges? <laughs> right, right. That's, I mean, literally, literally, you'd see people on the news saying some disparaging things about Bend, Oregon. Like it's this podunk little town. And so then it became, well, let's, let's tell the story right. Let's make this into this feature film called The Last Blockbuster that tells the story. And we felt like having been working with them for a year and living here and knowing the town and knowing the people who shop there, knowing the people who are renting movies, it felt like no-brainer like of course now we have to make this movie the best we can 
and we we threw up a Kickstarter to raise some money so that we could travel around and interview some celebrity types who had worked at video stores and you know get some former blockbuster uh, corporate employees and yep. some pretty high up folks and really piece this whole story together so that you know when you watch the movie there's kind of something for everybody that was a goal of mine we wanted to make it fun you know this uplifting story small town heroes but also get that corporate blockbuster story in there and tell people it's almost a cautionary tale of how you can go from 9,000 stores down to just this one. Right. That changed the scope of our production and, of course, added time. And while we were working on that, we found out they were going to be the last store in the whole world. That happened, you know, six months later. And then that was a big news cycle for the store and, and for us, too. And just the whole world cared again. And we're hoping when we get this movie out, Everybody will care one more time. And, oh, I think so. I, I like as I, long I as think, the store is open. There's a I story think this there. movie, this movie is going to point even more people to that store, and vice versa. I, I, I mean, I, when I told people, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to be interviewing the guy who's making one of the guys is making the documentary about the last blockbuster. They were like, "How the hell did you land that?" And I'm like, "I'm a nice guy, and he's a nice guy," and he said, "Yes." That's, <laughs> and that's the same thing. You know, people ask us, "How'd you get?" Jamie Kennedy or Kevin Smith to be in your movie and I'm like well we asked <laughs> we're genuine people and we all want to talk about renting movies and blockbuster and what it means and that's that's how it's just a matter of being personable you know oh yeah and you can't you can't you can't have a movie about blockbuster without Kevin Smith I mean you just can't do it <laughs> the man loves video rental stores not so he much does and we and, no 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 and, and we and we love him we the year I started was 2001, which was the year Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came out. Oh, yeah. And so me and the crew at my store, we the local dollar theater grabbed the movie. Because I don't know if you remember, but um, 9-11 happened like a month after Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came out. Mm-hmm. And Will Ferrell's running around in the movie screaming terrorist every 10 minutes. Right. And so Hollywood and the local theater chain stopped showing the movie because of that. So this local Dolly the- Dollar Theater picked it up, and they had a midnight 1 a.m. movie. So we'd get off shift, and we'd just go over and see the movie as a whole store. We saw it like nine oh. or ten times. It was great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Have you seen the reboot yet? Not yet. So um, because I have children, uh, we were trying to get a whole group to go together to do the road show when it came to Boston. Tickets sold out in five minutes, yeah. and I and and Kevin Smith actually because of the outcry did a second show but he did it at 11 p.m and so it's ah. just like ah uh, so I'm, I'm hoping um i'm hoping it comes out to buy or gets a more wide release or something because you know i i like giving that guy my um my patronage and uh, i really want to see that movie have you seen it yeah yeah i saw they did the fathom events uh yep. thing and it screened here in bend and i i went and checked it out and yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like, you know, he's to me, he's still this indie filmmaker who's putting stuff out that I want to support. But he's also just a super nice guy, and you know, I grew he does. up loving Clerks and Mallrats and Jay and Silent Bob. So of course, I'm gonna see anything he makes that's in that vein. I could do without another Jersey Girl, but we'll see. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> he was trying something. I, I give him credit for everything he tries, but yeah, that. Yeah. That one was I mean, a misfire. I, like, I like Red State and Tusk. Like I, so do I. I'm on board for his weirder stuff. That's that's awesome. So so who else? Um, without them being spoilers, because I don't want you to say something that'll spoil the movie for people. But who were some other people that uh, that you talked to, um, or interviewed for it? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Let me. Let me pull up the IMDb so I can see what we've announced publicly. <laughs> yeah, again, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, you haven't come out with the damn thing yet, so I don't want to screw you over. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I just uh, meant well, that Sandy, I don't. Uh... Sandy's in it. Uh, we got Kevin Smith, Sandy Harding, the manager of the last blockbuster in the world. Yep, she's my favorite celebrity. Um, Me too. 
And she's my favorite celebrity I've had on this show. Yeah, she's great. Ione Skye from uh, Say Anything, and she was in Wayne's World. Oh, that's awesome. Doug Benson. He actually made a trip up to the store. I don't know if you're familiar with Doug Loves Movies. I am. I am. Uh, I'm just trying not to talk over you. What was that? Paul Shear from The League, a bunch of other movies. He used to work at Blockbuster. Some other comedians. Let's see. Ron Funches. He's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked to Lloyd Kaufman from Troma. No way. Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman's awesome. Oh, he's hilarious. And I don't think there's a person alive that hates Blockbuster as much as he does. And we yep. really wanted that, that perspective of the, you know, it's not all, it's not all sunshine and, and roses with Blockbuster. They were the big bullies for a long time. And they put a well, lot they, of they, they, out of business. They stopped him from being able to basically release any of his films for the long, or at least get reach for any of his films. You yeah. know, um, he uh, he's an interesting guy. Um, he he wrote a book. He wrote several books, but there's a book he wrote called "Everything I Ever Needed to Know About Filmmaking." I learned from the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, and have you have you read it? No, no, but I'm familiar. I've read uh, <laughs> some synopses. It's wonderful. His editor is like live editing the book while you read it. So like (laughs) he'll have a chapter title and the guy will just go, you know what? I'm not even going to read this chapter from that title. I'm just omitting it from the book and it'll just Ah. be blacked out. (laughs) And you're like, oh, this is wonderful. Um, uh, Yeah. Lloyd Kaufman is, um, you know, the filmmaking father or the father, but, you know, teacher of. Uh, James Gunn, the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. guy. Yeah, and Lloyd Kaufman is actually in both Guardians of the Galaxy films. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's in the what? background in, in the prison in the first one, and I forget where he is in the second one, but he's when the prison riot happens, he's in the background checking food. Oh, that's great. Which just thinking about him and Disney in the same room just doesn't make any sense to me. But Yeah, no, it's two ends of the spectrum. There was also a Toxic Avenger Saturday morning cartoon show. So, I know I I grew up watching that. I had the action oh, me figure. too, man. Oh, this is wild. How old are you, Taylor? I'm 38. All right, so you're right right in the same ballpark as me. I'm 35. I was going to yeah. say if you grew up watching that, then we got to be close to the same age. Yeah. Well, I've had this this problem where I've, I've been stuck in the 80s and 90s my whole life. Hence, you know my film career as well 90s based properties but i yeah i watched those kind of cartoons well into the 2000s just uh, oh, yeah, you're, you're talking to a guy that can't stop talking about blockbuster yeah yeah no me too <laughs> the same i'm i still i go into the blockbuster you know every few days now sometimes i just want to walk up and down the drama aisle or the comedy aisle to be reminded of these older movies and and things that you know Netflix doesn't have and Amazon doesn't have and you forget or at least I think most people forget that all these things exist and all this this great content that we've kind of just brushed aside because it's not 4k and it's not digital I think that's it's kind of a magical thing that we're all losing sight of and there's something about physically holding it. And, and there's some movies that have to be watched on VHS. I, I remember when I when I worked for Blockbuster, when I started, they had just gotten DVDs in. So we had like a row of DVDs and they weren't even mixed. They weren't even mixed in with the regular movies. There was like just a wall of them, like one. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, throughout my time there, we never stopped having VHS. You know, I, I stopped working there in 2009 and we still had plenty of VHS tapes. We didn't get any more in, but we still had plenty of them. And I remember there were certain movies you just had to like rent on VHS. Like people would come in and they'd go, Oh, but you only have this on VHS. I'm like, man, the original wicker man, that's how you have to watch that. Right. <laughs> like there's just something about it. Right. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of movies that never made the jump. You know, the, yeah. the last, version was on vhs and that's it and no there as is no as the store goes they go right you know and there's some of these collections some of these uh video stores that are turning into museums or like what they're doing with the was it the alamo draft house they're adding 
video rental thing. Which I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool in the way they're they're trying to preserve that. And even part of the blockbuster here has kind of turned into a museum. They've they kind of put a little corner in and uh, they have all the Russell Crowe memorabilia from the John Oliver show that was sent here. But there's also, you know, just a case full of VHS movies and old blockbuster memorabilia that it's it's neat to see. It's it's neat to have them preserving that at this store because a lot of people come there just to look around you know they're coming in from all over the world to visit blockbuster because this is the only place you can do that but they can't rent something because they're not going to be around to return it so right (laughs) so they'll buy a t-shirt or they'll just take a bunch of pictures and it's it's an interesting uh interesting thing it kind of has become this historical landmark which i think is awesome i i hope i hope if it ever closes and I'm going to say if, because I don't want it to ever close, that they just turn it into a museum. You know, there's a petition going around for that that I've seen. Um, I think it's it's entirely up to the people that own the building. Yeah, <laughs> which is not not the blockbuster folks. They're still paying rent like as like they always have. But you know, maybe it doesn't have to be in that store. But I think it makes sense for somebody to preserve it because it is this thing that meant a lot to a lot of people. And so many people had these Friday night rituals or, you know, the family trip to Blockbuster. And it'll be really sad if that's totally gone. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, that's the real interesting part of it is everyone I talk to on here, rather they, whether they're from a corporate, like actually worked there in corporate, or work for a competing store. You know, I've had Hollywood video and video sure. movie gallery, and I've had people that worked at porn shops and mom and pop stuff on this store, on this show. Everybody now has this resounding, like, like nostalgic love for the idea of it and working yeah. there. That, that, that's what I thought was really important is that getting to work for that company, the stores, because there were so many of them and because, you know, they, often were a place that people that were already movie geeks pre-internet, because when I started there, that was still the early doldrums of the internet being a place for movie fans to go. Um, You know, this is where, you know, your friend that like had the, you know, video hound movie guide memorized in his head would work. And Mm -hmm. so it felt more like you were working for a niche store, like a one-off record shop than it did that you were working for a big corporate thing. When you were there talking to customers, you know, when you weren't trying to hawk the corporate stuff. And I loved that about it. You know, So did you work? Did you work at a corporate store or a franchise? I worked at a corporate store. Gotcha. Okay. I worked at four corporate stores. I worked um, uh, in Salem, Mass. So in in Halloween Town there, Um, I worked in Peabody. I worked in Swampscott and I was the store manager of the Woburn, Massachusetts store. Okay. At 18 years old. Nice. Because, because my store manager broke his leg and I was the assistant. That's, I mean, congratulations. You did it. That was, that was fun. The store ran great while I was there. It was just, uh, you know, hectic. It was the um, corporate office for the region too. So I had all of the big wigs downstairs every day. That was yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah, no pressure. 18 years old managing with the corporate corporate overlords right under your feet yeah that store is a bank now sure have you seen this <laughs> new there's the instagram account that's lost blockbusters where they just show pictures of blockbusters and then what it is now yeah i love that i love that I account love that. Um, the account is great yeah I, I know a couple people that contribute to that um great that just kind of go around they've been collecting them themselves the photos and they just add to it it's it's really cool it was funny before I interviewed the folks at Bend. I thought that that last blockbuster um, Twitter account was them. A and lot. I find of- it- yeah. They uh they 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 have not answered my request to talk to them, which is a bummer. I had always thought that it might have been someone I used to work with because they riff on their manager Colleen, and we had a manager Colleen, and a lot of the stories they tell were stuff that she did. Some oh, like it just it's it parallels it too much, but I I haven't been able to get anyone to fess up. Yeah, we've we've talked to them 
you know, about about the movie and stuff, but uh, they they've been very cryptic. The, yeah, they seem they seem to be a bit um just you know introverted. Like we're gonna put this fun stuff out there, but we're not really in it for any sort of limelight or anything like that. So good good on them. Yeah, but but it's still it's a bummer that it wasn't the Ben folks. But also they're a lot more vulgar than the Ben folks. So yeah, I mean it's definitely something. I mean, I don't know if it's something you'd get in trouble for these days, but it's not anything that Blockbuster Corporate would approve of. Oh, not even close. Trying to keep your franchise license, you don't want to rock the boat like that. No, not at all. So um, you had said, if I got this right earlier, that the inspiration for making the movie came when you moved to Bend and saw that store there. Was that what you said? Yeah, actually, the store I saw, so when I moved to Bend in 2014, about five years ago, there was another blockbuster over here on my side of town, and it was their going out of business sale. They were closing the store, you know, and I was always one of those kids who would go into the video stores when they were closing and just buy up DVDs and video games and everything right because it's a great deal they're like 75 to 90 percent off uh and so i went in and i bought a bunch of stuff and i thought no oh, that's it's neat that we made it to bend in time for the last blockbuster here to close and i thought nothing of it and then probably a month later i was driving around town and i saw the sign for the other one and the the first reaction i had honestly was oh, that's probably just a sign. They haven't taken the sign down yet because you see them still around. Yep. The big blue ticket sign. And sometimes it's painted over and sometimes it's not. But it doesn't mean there's a store there. You know, I thought for sure it was just the sign. And it took me another couple of months to stop and go in. And that was when, because the first one I had gone in was in closing down mode. So it didn't have that nostalgic feel of a blockbuster. It was, you know bins of 50 cent dvds it wasn't (laughs) wasn't the same thing and i walked into the store and it was like nothing had changed like driving they they had all the new releases all the the you know the latest video games the latest movies and a huge selection of back catalog stuff and there were people in there renting movies i haven't to this day i haven't gone in there and not seen other customers renting movies. And I've been in there a lot. Yeah, it's and wild. I've gotten I've gotten phone calls from them, you know, when they first open, you know, setting up orders and things that I've been placing. And I'll hear, you know, five, six people in the background, you know, just yeah. and they'll go, Oh yeah, no, we're already having a rush. I'm like, it's a Wednesday, man. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy <laughs> is thing. this nineteen ninety nine? And we'll we'll go in there to film. Like before they open, you know, it's the only time we can get quiet because there's so many people in there all the time. And the customers really don't like it when we film in there. And, you know, there's been some other film crews in there for some other projects that kind of shut down aisles and then they can't get to the drama section or they can't get to the the special interest section or whatever. And so we try really hard not to do that. So we're in there before they open and there will almost always be somebody like knocking on the door a half hour before they open, trying to get in. And a lot of times on the weekends, there's a line when they open of people waiting to go to Blockbuster. And it's not just the tourists or the looky-loos, it's actual customers who just want to rent, you know, the new Men in Black movie or the new (laughs) Spider-Man or whatever it is. Yeah, she was saying, you know, for, for, I think when I was talking to Sandy, for Bumblebee, they had over a hundred copies of that and they were sold out on a Friday night. Sure. That makes perfect sense. And it's like, that's, that's amazing because that's, you know, that's peak. That's my peak time there. Like that's the quantity of movies like that, that we'd get in. And I'm just like, this is, and you're running around to different stores, buying them up and putting them on your shelves. You don't have a corporate depository to buy from anymore. It's like, what? this is insane. Yeah. That's, that's one of the craziest parts that, I tell people and they don't believe me. I'm like, well, there is no blockbuster corporate and there's nobody feeding the movies anymore. So it's Sandy on Tuesday mornings driving around to Target and Walmart and wherever else they sell 
movies, <laughs> buying up copies, just like anybody else would. And it's it's just so hard for people to fathom that it's that, you know, DIY. It's like this indie store, but it's called Blockbuster. Right. It, it's 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 awesome. It's like it, it's technically a bunch of people that remember how Blockbuster was run doing a Blockbuster impersonation, but it's still a Blockbuster. If, you right. know, because 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 there's no one they can there's no one telling them what to do anymore. <laughs> they're they're running the store right. the way they remember it was run. And it, it's it's so wild. Yeah. And like the computer systems are still the old computer systems. And now there's there's nobody, you know, the leading person who can fix one of these computers is Sandy in, in the whole Sandy, world. Sandy and this guy who, whose name I'm going to forget and I feel terrible. So I'm really sorry, dude. Just because I didn't think we'd talk about it, but I interviewed him on my show. It was a guy in Texas that was oh, yeah, Blockbuster yeah. Corporate IT, and mm -hmm. he started he a startup helped. company just to support Sandy. Yes, yes, he is still tech support for what's his name, David computers. something. Yeah, that sounds right. We talked to him as well. Oh, he's awesome. Project, and he's uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, like you said, he had to start his own company. And they have one client, and it's Sandy. And it's just so that there's somebody they can call because she's not there every day. And these kids, you know, 17, 18 years old who work there, and these computers don't even have a mouse. You know, they have to type everything in manually, and they have floppy disks and things. So they need someone to call when things don't quite work right, which happens more than, more than you'd like. Yeah. Yes, I remember those systems very well. They were uh, they were buggy in two thousand two. So, and they haven't gotten any less buggy. There hasn't <laughs> been a software update. I can tell you oh that. Oh my god! Oh, this is wild. So, um, so wh where are you at on the project? Um, are you are you still filming? Are you in uh, uh, post? It's, like, it's where are you? Yeah, we we've got. I've seen a rough cut. We've got a really, really great uh, post-production team working with us on it. It's actually some of the guys who did uh, Napoleon Dynamite and um, American Movie and uh, oh, that Jim and Carrey Doc a couple years ago, the Jim Carrey one. Yep. These are like just some of the best editors and post-production folks, and so we're really excited to have them helping us finish it, and we're hoping to have it out as soon as we can. You know, there's a lot of things that take take a long time when you're making a documentary and and there oh, are still some things happening, you know, with the story that we gotta kinda wait and see. You know, it's that's the the thing about a documentary is we could have this thing all ready to go and something big could happen and we would have to change the ending of the movie. You never know. Yeah. Right. That's that's the craziest thing. You'll be done. Imagine right. imagine if you had finished filming it before they became the last in the world. Right. That <laughs> I kind of I thought think... we had. Oh, so you know. so really? OK, OK. That that's exactly the thing I'm talking about. Like, I thought we were going to start editing and then more things kept happening and then we kept filming. And then, you know, things like uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, agreeing to be in the movie that didn't happen until later probably because of all the hype around the store and so obviously when that happens you keep filming and we we, yeah. just, we keep filming and keep filming and so yeah i think we're in post-production i think we're close to having a finished movie but i could be wrong that's wild so you the, the kickstarter was back in 2017 was that the 2018 2018 I, I really wish I had heard about this in time to get on that because just looking at the numbers you know after you guys did awesome huh yeah it was it was very successful uh, we definitely got more than we were asking for and it was kind of we threw that together very quickly because they were the last one in America and we needed to raise some money really fast to to uh, finish the film. So we didn't get to promote that Kickstarter in the way we'd like, which is probably why you didn't hear about it. Um, we just sort of did it and kept working. And um, the only bummer with the Kickstarter is 
I wish we had known then what we know now because we thought we'd be done with the movie a while ago. So all of our Kickstarter backers, and I apologize to everybody, but they thought the movie was coming out six months ago, and here we are still working on it. So that's, uh, again, with independent film and with documentaries in particular, you just sort of never know how long it's going to take, so you do your best guess. Wow. So, uh, you know, in, in making the movie, what what's some of like the best the best experiences you've had during it? And if it's all of them, that's fine too. But um, <laughs> um, it's it's talking with people. I think it's a mix, right? So I've, uh, of course, I've always wanted to meet Kevin Smith, and getting to talk to him about movies for you know half a day was incredible. That's just something I never could have dreamed. If you told me when I was a teenager watching Clerks that I would get to make a movie with Kevin Smith in it one day, I wouldn't believe you. Yeah, that's that's bucket list right there. Right. But also talking to people who have come to the store from all over the world. You know, we talked to a guy from Spain who just had to come to Blockbuster. Or people from, you know, New York and Boston and Canada and all over the place who come there and just seeing the looks on people's faces when they come in and the smiles and the same with, you know, when we go to LA or New York to interview people, everyone except Lloyd Kaufman lights up when you talk about <laughs> and they have all these fond memories and it's just, it's a real joy to go around talking to people about something that makes them happy. You know, it makes me happy. It makes everybody happy. And we're hoping that that's what the movie will do is people will watch it and they'll, they'll remember and they'll be happy. And that's, you know, something that's kind of missing in the world these days is, is just people being happy, kind of all being on the same page. That's a big thing. Right. Making something that unites people. That's, that's the thing I noticed about, you know, you sharing around the ska movie is that you don't, you don't find the haters in those, those talkbacks and comments that you probably would have found, you know, in that time when Scott was having its little downturn where, you know, that, that whole scene was just crapping on it. Like it was something that never happened. You know, all you get are people going, Oh my God, I love this. I'm so happy you made this. Right. You get a lot of love and a lot of joy. It was the same thing talking to people about ska music 20 years later. It, it makes them light up and that's, you know, as a filmmaker, that's kind of what I want to do. I think there's a lot of people out there telling the hard-hitting stories and the the true crime, murder mysteries, and on all these really important documentaries about you know, really important issues, and that's great. And it's just I don't have, you know, maybe the the heart for that because you have to live with these things for years and years when you're making them. And to me. You know, I want to watch these uplifting, fun documentaries that make you feel good because that's what, for me, that's what movies were always about is just escaping and, and taking a break from real life and, and feeling good about these stories. And so I just wanted to make documentaries that people could watch, you know, and sometimes you want to watch a hard hitting you know, real true crime documentary, and that's great. And sometimes you want to just sit back and remember how fun it was to go to Blockbuster on a Friday night and uh, what renting movies felt like. And you want to have a smile on your face, and, and that's it. There doesn't have to be that much more to it than that. No, absolutely. You know, and I, you and I have the same approach. This is exactly what I, all these shows that, I've, that I'm doing, um, which I, I didn't even plug myself at the beginning, but, you know, um, shooting the shit with Chippa, the Chipman Brothers Tangent with my brother, um, creating geeks with my wife where we share nostalgic things from our childhood with our kids or talk about sharing them. And then this one, the, the whole point is just to put something happy out there, to put something uplifting out there. I had a guest on recently in the show as of today. This is the 5th of November 2019 for people that want to date when this is, but it will be up soon. Um I just recently had an interview with Eric Vespi, who used to work for Ain't It Cool News. He was Quint on Ain't It Cool. Oh, and, okay, good. And, you know, I, I said to him the same thing I said to you. You know, it's your show if there's any topics you don't want to talk about. And he goes, well, I'd rather stay kind of cryptic about my 
my leaving of AICN because, you know, that was a big deal. The, the head of it got me too'd, you know, and a bunch of guys got caught up in it and, you know, all kind of disbanded. And I was like, dude, that, you know, we, that wasn't even on my like top 50 things on my radar that I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to geek out about Steven Spielberg movies, man. Like, you know, that's not what my show's about. And he was so happy to hear that, you know, that like, I wasn't someone trying to get him on to like spill the beans about the, the background of that. Cause that's, that's not what my show's about. Yeah. I mean, and there's room for all of it. There's room for the hard hitting uh, exposés and, and all that. But, you know, some of us just want to put something positive out into the world. Right. Speaking of that, have you ever seen the documentary, The King of Kong? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you're, you were you. I was talking to someone the other day about how how wonderfully uplifting and how like a wonderful good versus evil story that movie ends up being. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, a lot of those like um, indie game. The movie is another yep. one that just makes you. You know, hey, these people are doing something cool, and some of them found some success, and that's all. You know, it's or uh, Raiders. Have you seen the the Raiders doc? I did. I saw it. Um, God, probably. Well, I didn't see the doc. I saw the actual movie. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I, I've heard the documentary is great. I, I so they came around. The the kids that made that were the now in their 30s they came around in 2006 2005 right shortly after eli roth had had his premiere of it at buttonumathon they got like the the rights to show it and right. what happened was spielberg gave them the thumbs up and said this is great and george lucas was like no sorry you can't charge you know to see yourselves remaking my movie i'm sorry but what yeah. they allowed them to do was tour the country and show Raiders and charge to see Raiders and then show their movie after. Ah, so their movie was free if you paid to see Raiders. Yep. So, so, so they got a little bit of money off the cover price, you know, but then paid for the print of Raiders that they took around. So they all made their money, but man, I don't know if, if you've only seen the doc, I imagine the doc is amazing. Is it? It is. It is. And that's another one that was made by our friends, our editors and post-production team. And so I've been uh, watching it closely because it's another one of those just feel good, you know, happy stories about these kids who wanted to remake Raiders and they did. And it's like such a cool story. And I like that there are things like that in the world. It was so wonderful to see. And um, if, if I hope you actually get a chance to see the real movie, even though mm -hmm. I'm sure they show plenty of it in the documentary, but seeing the kids age angle to angle. Because they started filming it when they were 12 and finished when they were 18. Okay. So in one angle, the kid playing Indy will be a 12-year-old kid. And in the next angle, he'll be an 18-year-old with facial hair and a deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is hilarious. It's like a, a weird indie version of boyhood. Exactly. And then they... Uh, the movie, I asked, you know, is, is, it, is it really a shot for shot? He goes, to the minute, dude. He goes, the movie is exactly 10 minutes and 11 seconds, I think he said, shorter than Raiders, because we couldn't get the plane for the plane flight. It right. fell out at the last minute. And then they, I guess, recently did a Kickstarter campaign or something and yeah, actually finished it. The doc. You should oh. watch the doc, because the doc is, is partly about them finishing it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's such like... a small world. It's such a small world. I'm I'm glad you know the guys that have been making that because that that was just such a blast to watch. Well, anyway, you know we've been going about an hour. I I need to get back to work, but um, I, I'll give you a chance here, Taylor, to to plug everything you're working on. Tell people more about yourself. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And um, spoiler to everyone, I'm going to get Taylor back at some point for my other show, shooting the shit to talk all about our geeky obsession with ska music. So take it away, good sir. Fantastic. Yeah, so I've, I've got the ska movie coming out right now. That's at skamovie.com. Uh, lastblockbustermovie.com has all the info on the Blockbuster Project. We're at Last Blockbuster Movie on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, popmotionpictures.com, that's my company, Pop Motion Pictures. Uh, follow along with all the other things. Check out that refreshment stock that I put out a couple years ago. It's up on Amazon. And uh, that's, that's about it. That's where I am on the internet. 
that's awesome, Taylor. I, I really appreciate it. Um, and with that, uh, thank you all and Taylor for making it a talk buster night or day or whenever you're listening to this and please be kind, <laughs> rewind.